1: Welcome to Samutsari, Conversations with Mimi, a weekly podcast by Social, also a member of the Gorilla Podcast Syndicate. Samutsari is where we can show that ordinary people do extraordinary things. Tune in to be entertained and to learn something new with your host, Mimi Lurilla. Hi everybody, welcome to another edition of Samutsari, Conversations with Mimi a podcast featuring hot topics and other topics of interest for men and women alike we always feature guests in the show who share their passion and commitment to their profession or talents and here at some we share stories to inspire you stories from ordinary people who make extraordinary things um as everyone knows season two is all about people who are working online people who are business um, owners Uh, freelancers, virtual assistants, uh, people who are in businesses or in areas of interest that had pivoted online. But it's not to say that we uh, do not pause the focus of season two to to interview people with uh, very exciting and interesting stories. So today is one of them. We want to welcome back to the show teacher Raquel from season one. So in season one, Raquel and I talked about uh, you being a teacher and your, your teaching style, teaching pedagogy, we talked about play. Uh, but today, yes. we will talk about something else. But before that, Raquel, can you greet the listeners and the viewers of Samutari?
2: Hello, everyone. And thank you, Mimi, for inviting me again for another Chica. Yes. <laughs> it's always a pleasure to have Chica with you. Yes. Um, it's um, it's very relaxing and we get to talk about
1: topics that I really enjoy um, sharing with other people. Yeah, and it's not just what you enjoy. I think what we're going to talk about today is really important. (laughs) So, to reveal, (laughs) let's have a big reveal. So, ladies and gentlemen, Raquel and my topic for today's episode is about the effects of COVID-19 or learning during the pandemic to little kids or preschoolers. Um, And that's those kids who are age three to five maybe some of them are six it just depends on uh the levels that the schools are offering but for Raquel's school she is the um the teacher and mentor of grade th- uh, of age three and four right age three and four if I'm four not- and five year old. So. four and five okay so why is this an important topic I think the reason why we've chosen to talk about this is because there are so many parents that after a year of adjusting to life in lockdown or life in within the environment of COVID-19, we still have mm. not settled into a proper routine or we still have not mm. nailed the strategies on how to teach and learn in this unprecedented environment. Mm. So yep. you are in the thick and in the middle of that storm. Um, yeah. So, can you give me something like a brief overview of how your school managed teaching these little kids during the pandemic? Is there a specific routine, new routine that you have established mm-hmm. or were you just adjusting depending on lockdown situations mm-hmm. or whatnot? So yeah. Give us a yeah. little bit of a flavor in terms of what's happening so, in the school yeah so
2: definitely the lockdown um um made our the number of children that were attending in our center to start with the earliest lockdown because there was so many everyone had to go and uh, stay home everyone except the essential workers are allowed to go to work so that means there was a big drop in attendance in our center So, just to give you an overview, our centre is a 120-place centre, but during the first lockdown, we probably had around about um, 25 to 30% capacity. So, that means we had five rooms and that that meant that all of the rooms could not operate um, individually. So which means that there was a big change, especially in routine for children. So we had to group all of the younger age groups in one room and all most of the older age groups in another room. And um, just an example, the babies and the toddlers were grouped together, which which has a big disparity when it comes to developmental milestones and things like that. Also, um, one of the other challenges aside from changing routines. So the challenges for the children that, was, that were still attending the services these are um, children mostly of um, uh, essential workers so technically they're already coming in with the knowledge that why am I coming here and where are my friends so because their parents are essential workers and this there's a level of you know there's a level of anxiety there because essential workers are the nurses the doctors everyone from the medical profession which was most my, most of our essential workers were from the medical profession because we had two big um, two big hospitals in the area where I where I work. So there was already a level of anxiety from within the family setting that you know my parents might be able might contract the virus because they are in a very exposed um, work environment. So th- they come into the center and they would go, "Where are my friends?" and and they they have to do. Other, fra- other children that they don't know, which, you know, as as per child's development, when you you put children out of their normal routine, then there's a lot of behavior and social changes that would occur. We didn't see that at the start, but we definitely struggled to cope with the change in routine, especially with with educators, because some of us had to stay home while others had to be. You know, others that don't know any of these children had to, had to care and educate for the children in their room, which is about 20, 20 children over the three to five age group. Mm-hmm. So we definitely um, responded as the lockdown uh, unfolded. And we had to change all of most of our uh, management, like uh, system strategy uh, during those periods of lockdown. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay, so thank you for the summary, which brings me to several things that we can um, unpack based on uh, what you have mentioned. So the first thing that you mentioned a while ago was the big drop in your attendance. And this is not because you were turning away those kids. It is because there was a rule when we were told, as parents, you have to keep your kids with you as much as you Mm -hmm. can stay-at-home and only the children Mm. of essential workers are Mm -hmm. permitted or um, have the option of going to to the school. And how about Mm -hmm. the number of the teachers? Um, Is it because you have to practice social distancing that the rostering changed? Mm -hmm. Or is it because some of the teachers cannot go to work because of uh, funding issues? Because I remember uh, in other countries, if you're not working, you're not paid. But in your yeah, case... Yeah, we were paid. Okay, so in your case... the,
2: the Yeah, we were paid the, the teachers um are combination safe. of the job seeker. Mm. Yeah. Our jobs were safe, but uh, because of social distancing at work, because imagine it's a 120 place, the children 25% at capacity. So we don't really need everyone to be... That's right yeah. so it's a function of so the number of go have. for safety of everybody yeah. and for social distancing
1: okay yes good yeah. okay yeah. so the other um, thing that you mentioned is the essential workers so mm-hmm. the parents of the kids are working and the kids are lamenting or are being confused mm or yeah. are, um, not really confused but uh, in Tagalog, they are wondering mm-hmm. why am yeah. I in school and why are some of my friends not in school?
2: Is Definitely, that something
1: yeah. negative to the kids? Like, Have they said that because they just genuinely miss their friends or they are mad at their parents for sending them to school when they can stay at yeah. home? So which one is yeah. it? Um,
2: I think they're just missing the most most it's the social connections they're definitely missing the social connections and especially at the first two weeks of lockdown where you know parents were unsure am I an essential worker or am I not an essential worker so they might have not come to Kinder on a Monday and Tuesday but then the government has decided that this industry are essential workers so they the parents would have been given a pass so then on the third day or on the fourth day of the lockdown, they, they went to, to kinder. So the shift is definitely. But um, earlier on, and I think it's the ethos of our work environment as well, that um, we really make sure that we, um, we inform children in a language that is accessible to them of what is, hap- what is happening around them. So we had storybooks about, um, we have social stories about hand washing, um, the distance the, and the, why people are wearing masks and things like that. So those were the things that we had to scramble, really scramble at the start of the lockdown to put in place so that we can support the, I guess, the emotional um, well-being of children so that they will know ah, this is what's happening in a language that they would understand. That's right. So We, so will, have, case- we will have dots on the carpet to make sure that, you know, yeah. and everyone calls the virus different kinds of names. Some mm. calls it Rona, so, you know. It was, but yeah, they were all, you know, they were all validated, and children would talk about
1: it. Yeah. Okay. So just to remind those people who have just tuned in, Rachel and I am talking about preschoolers and their learning during the pandemic because we hear more stories about the effect of the pandemic to the mental health of more mature students, maybe the the ones that are uh, uni. Uh, University level students that are uh, scared of what the future might bring them because of the job opportunities. And then the high school leavers, the ones that are year 11s, year 12s that are moving into college, they have a lot of examinations. Sometimes we forget that the little kids are also (laughs) hugely um, affected as well. So I remember in one of our previous conversations you said, You attended this conference of more than 300 teachers, am I correct? In the whole of Korea. And Mm. high in your agenda was the discussion around mental health of these little kids. And you mentioned anxiety. Um, Mm. So this is not like something that is already readily available as part of literature or as a journal article. But I think Mm. my suspicion is most of the discussions that you're having far around what's it now what's happening now it might not be documented yeah. formally but it's a recurring theme that the kids yeah, are the kids are also ha- um, experiencing anxiety yeah. can you explain the kind of anxiety that little kids are experiencing as a result of the changes in their learning within this environment yes yeah. so
2: um the the the, the best um, a bit a portrayal of anxiety that I've seen from children um the first one was anger there was a lot of angry um not angry emotions but um just frustration anger over little things anger if someone just touches them that we don't we I never really saw prior to the the big change with covid and another thing is the heightened there was a there there was a very uh, big shift in the energy level of children. It was just um, like pure energy that they had to expand, but it wasn't productive energy. It was like a a sort of steaming, like they they couldn't understand what was happening around them. And they were trying to um, cope with that by just spinning around and around, you know, like if if I have to to, um, make a mental picture of it, it's like, A person just spinning around and around because they don't know what to do, and that was the kind of energy that they were displaying, pretty much for a whole six months. Yeah, it it's um, it started really really high and it continued on that trajectory until there was sort of some some semblance of normality where we had that first coming out of lockdown thing, Mm -hmm. but then we had another you know we had to have another shift. Mm-hmm. And then that went back again to that high level of energy, and those are the two main things that I thought. This is something that could be for adults, because as you know, children don't have the capacity to really, um, you know, um, explain why am I feeling this way, or what's the reason why I'm getting angry or why I'm getting upset. You know, they mm-hmm. don't they don't have the emotional maturity to to understand what is happening to them mm-hmm. today you know, to their emotions and yeah. things. Yeah. But they definitely manifested it in a lot of um, negative
1: energy. Yeah, the behavior. So we're not yeah. saying that these kids have turned themselves into, um, what do you call that, uh, for a lack of a better term, from being a normal kid to a kid with a possible learning disability or no, no emotional. No. It, they're just manifesting a certain level mm. of frustration and uncertainty yeah. of what's happening to them yep. that they cannot explain. Yeah. So, so that's yeah. you know. and, and you said you have to kind of adjust your day to yep. uh, probably managing more of the anxiety mm. than, yep. than introducing more lessons or introducing mm-hmm. new things to them because yep. it doesn't matter probably how much you try. If they're not yeah. listening and concentrating, then what's yeah. the point of introducing those, those new lessons? Yes, so, definitely. What did you share? How did you shift your learning
2: priorities during that time? Well, luckily, because remember on the first podcast, I talked about really the importance of play in learning concepts. So we've already got that established in the workplace. So we just had to step back a little bit into uh, play and conceptual understanding and really finding uh, teachable moments in in during the times where we had to deal with emotional regulations say for example when we have uh like when we have social distancing we had dots on the floor so we would talk about okay how many dots we do we have today so how 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 many steps is the distance between those dots so there's you know they, you're talking about math concepts but you're pulling it down to what's actually happening why are we having to social distance how much arm length, you know, how much is the distance between your friend and your other friend? Show me, you know, how, how many arm lengths, how many steps do you need to be away from your friend? So little things like that, you're still working on numeracy concepts, but you all, you know, it's it's grounded in what they actually have, been, they're actually experiencing at the moment. So we would have, you know, masks, decorating masks and things like that, you know, um, germs we talked about germs we talked about germs a lot for science we made experiments of things like that so it was still there was still a lot of um there was still a lot of opportunities to really hone in on conceptual understanding with all areas of learning except that there was less of it and more of um mindfulness reading stories to them making sure that they outside because Part of, one of the things where they have so much high energy is because when they get home, they just go home. They don't go outside. They don't go to the park. A lot of them don't have older siblings that go to footy on the weekend. They don't get to do that. So we had to we, we had to be mindful that there was not a lot of, um, you know, opportunities to engage those large muscles. And the only time they get to do it is when they come to kinder. Mm. So we had to provide all of those opportunities, which which we normally do, but not on a higher, on a bigger scale.
1: Yeah. It's something like a modified simulation of what it would look like pre-COVID time. <laughs> yes, definitely. How do you definitely. play with a friend without touching the friend too yeah. much? How do you yeah, play with a friend without, you know, affecting... Uh, affecting and him? I think that was the hardest. Mm.
2: The hardest that I find, even for me as well, is the time t- they're being being in close proximity to others because you know they're still four and five years. They still want to sit on your lap when you're yeah. reading them a story. And it was really you know it was really difficult to uphold the social distancing and at the same time you know uh, help them with their emotional regulation because mm. if you are crying, you know mm. you can't say. Okay, okay. You're going to hug them. You're going to do those things. But you're mindful all the time. Is this, you know, is this then diminishing my social distancing rules and things like
1: that? Yeah. So So it's like earlier on, I think socialization has completely changed for little kids. But what they know to be what the normal is is no longer. Mm -hmm the normal yeah. right now so you yeah. mentioned- and i think that's part of where the 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 anxiety and all of that has um, really heightened mm. so you mentioned that you kind of integrate um concepts around covid uh, in your daily tasks and in the mm-hmm. learnings um, for example in science do you honestly think that the kids have sufficient knowledge or just the right amount of knowledge on covid what it means to them at Mm -hmm. their age now and what it means to society now or do you think this is just like a passing phase like later on in their life they won't won't really remember too much of how they they learned about it in school um because i think that um with the anxiety they they will be overly conscious about hygiene Mm -hmm. and overly conscious about safety but is that sufficient or is that scaring them I just want to know um how how teachers like you would approach this because as Mm -hmm. a parent I would probably just um you know brush it aside like okay we're Mm -hmm. living now in this sort of times everybody has to adjust my kids and older kids alike but in the school setting yeah. What's what's happening there? Is it um as real as it can be or is it like a passive
2: mm. fancy? Um definitely this year we've seen an increase in you know um hygiene practices that the children doesn't have to be reminded to wash wash mm. their hands. Um other children who are very good at it actually reminds the children who they see are not so the takeaway from this is that we we probably might have um, adults that are a bit more germaphobe <laughs> than if, you know, we didn't go through the COVID. Or another example would be, you know, a bit more reserved because of the social distancing, that, you know, they're not able to um, build those social connections. And we're now on our second year of COVID and we're still not normal. We, we still haven't returned to the norm. We've got a new COVID normal. But you know we still haven't returned to that, and this year we've we've actually you know I, the only thing I've seen this year is that the heightened hygiene, you know, understanding of children, but hopefully it doesn't impact on their social connections. The thing that came out of it, on a positive note, is that they were able to be more resilient and have built better friendships within mm. within the within the center. Mm. So I with that in mind i'm a bit more positive when it comes to that the you know the impact of what happened now to the to, to when they they grow up hopefully mm-hmm. they're not they you know if their friends are not available then they can pivot and find new friends or make new connections That's rather right. than you know
1: isolate themselves okay because that was one of the positives right so thinking about that conference that you attended and the general sentiment of the teachers yes. What's yeah. the top three worry of your sector, your e- early childhood sector? What what are you guys worried about? Yeah. Um so I think um COVID
2: just heightened what was already um a recurring issue in the early childhood field anyway. So this there's a, this there's a data, uh, this data collection that started in 2012, I think, and it goes for every three years and so it goes 2012 2015 2018 and there's another one that's coming up now which is very interesting and from the first data of 2012 up to now um the high proportion of children vulnerable and at risk are in the areas of social and emotional development so it's always been a given Mm. not there wasn't a year where there was a plateau there was you know in my i'm talking about my local area but i think globally for victoria uh for victoria i think the the trend is that the social and emotional development of children in victoria there's a lot of vulnerable and at risk in that area and it's always been the case mm-hmm. and if we get the data in 2021 we, we are expecting that it's there's going to be um a shift a, a bigger surge in the at-risk and vulnerable area, our problem is that a lot of this. One of the sentiments of the teachers is that there was one. Um, there was one. Um, one of the panel uh, that talked about her experience she's the early childhood awardee of the year two years ago, and she was saying this year and last year, it was not only the emotional and well-being of children that she was um, supporting, but she was also support, she was also trying to manage her own Mm. emotional well-being. And that's where it gets really hard because Mm. you can't draw from an empty cup. That's right. That's the main sentiment of the whole uh, profession is that if we're not emotionally and uh, mentally robust, then we won't be able to model emotional and mental robustness with children. Mm. And that was the overwhelming consensus at that mm. uh, training seminar that
1: I attended. Wow, which leads me to my next question. So do you think that in your new COVID normal, the whole curriculum might be changed? That there will be some recommendations on how teachers can deliver the lessons there's there will be a different set of routines or timetable or yeah. progression that will be developed which is um something that they need to do quickly something like the development of the vaccines <laughs> in yeah. order to meet the demand yeah. of herd yeah. immunity we need the vaccines now in order to meet the demands of this behavioral yeah. and the knowledge base and everything yeah. so that's one component of it and then as you said um what about retraining the teachers themselves? Will this require yeah. teachers to be trained so that you can be equipped? So, like you said, how yep. can you, how can you, uh, you know, do if your cup is empty? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, so yeah. What do you say about that? Do you think that's something that's going to be happening soon?
2: Um, so, with the way that our framework works, our curriculum framework for the early childhood, it's um, it's very much based on building relationships and recognizing the here and the now of children so when it comes to tailoring your curriculum approach we have a lot we have a big big leeway for that because we can interpret the framework in in ways that we can work around um outcomes and things like that while responding to the current needs of the children so that's not an issue i i guess what what the issue is for the parents and this is what i'm you know because parents there's a big gap between the understanding of parents of how they see their child as being ready for school and how we see their child as being ready for school there's a big gap because especially with us filipinos we talk about you know she has to be able to write and read and things like that and clearly in australia that is not an expectation when you're going to school, the expectation is that you have an understanding that letters represent something. You're able to form letters and things like that, but really, there's not an under, understanding that you have to, you know, be able to write Memorize long sentences. The yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so that's where that's where the challenge would be is the disconnect. And but in saying that, because I think parents are parents who were homeschooling their children really, really see, oh, this is how it is. You know, this is how my child learns in school. And now they have a a more compassionate understanding of our profession. So I think that's where the positive of COVID, of children going on, you know, remote learning and things like that, is that they have a better appreciation of how difficult it is to teach children concepts ah, and things like this so
1: that's right i think
2: that's where where the good lies
1: yeah so do you predict that in the future the framework would include more parent input uh a greater portion of the learning will be through the parents intervention so it's not just relying solely on the teacher but yep. it's a joint yeah. joint yeah team now team at home and team at school helping the child to learn in this in this new environment yeah that's the yeah i
2: think um i think historically the problem has always been the 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 industry has always been open to uh participation parent participation but the the parents on the other hand um has been very um their their response to it has been very lackluster so you know and i think that will it has been, it has been historically been like that, and I think it will continue to be like that unless we, we, we as a we in the sector create more ways, more innovative ways to honor, you know, what the problems, what the um, the gaps are, what why they're not having, why they're not having the time to participate. So, you know, we we have to think of other really clever ways how parents can make some contribution to to our setting Mm. and um there's a lot of initiatives around it but I think it will always be you have to go you have to always come up with those initiatives because on the part of the parents there's a lot of there's a lot of things that are impacting their their participation time is one of them Yeah. Because they're overscheduled. We have overscheduled parents. (laughs) Like as you know. It's
1: really hard. But anyway, regardless of where an early childhood teacher works all over the world, what would be your message to them as a person in the same sector or as a colleague? Uh, At this time? Would you advise them? Yeah. Yeah. They might be experiencing some level of anxiety themselves as a teacher or maybe as some level of frustration because of Mm. what's happening. Um, You are there. You've been there. You're doing it. Um, Share your thoughts and final message to them. Yeah. I think um, to just breathe.
2: You know, for everything, just breathe. If, if, If your plan is not working, breathe, refocus. And because I think breathing is looking after your mental well-being and that's the most important because you can't really you can't you can't really you know give from an empty cup so if find ways where you know like we've incorporated mindfulness in the classroom because we need the mindfulness ourselves we need time to just be quiet and Mm -hmm. we can't just say to the children be quiet so we have to find ways where everyone can you know find their calm find it find their quiet and um don't be too hard on yourself. That's, you know, I've always had to, especially this time, last year, this year, to not be too hard on yourself because you're, you're doing whatever, what's the best that you can do in in circumstances where no one's, ever, no one's ever been in this kind of circumstances before. So whatever you're doing is the right thing to, to do in these
1: circumstances. Mm, that's right. So they don't have to beat themselves too much yeah
2: definitely not, yeah not and so i good. do that a lot of the times yeah. but then you know you can't work from from an empty vessel
1: yeah <laughs> they need to also forgive themselves and yeah. um, be a little yeah. bit kinder to themselves <laughs> yeah
2: yeah because um, teachers are uh, uh are a breed all their own because you know they're doing so much but they don't think that they're doing enough better enough yeah Mm And i I don't know why the profession has that but we do you know we always have that what can i do what can what else can i do whereas you just have to say well i've done the best today tomorrow you know i might do a bit better
1: yeah so take one day at a time essentially yes definitely breathe take one day at a time and don't beat yourself too much yeah (laughs) That's great. So, Raquel, I really appreciate you coming to the program today, to the show today. And it's really enlightening to hear um, things outside my own little bubble (laughs) Um, because I'm out of touch with uh, early childhood. Um, I'm more in touch with the the Mm uni-level students. So, it's good to know and to learn about your perspective and how the sector is doing and how everything's going as far as uh learning teaching and uh, surviving thriving in in a pandemic learning situation yeah again for your time today um and i've asked you for your message so if you don't have anything uh else to add then we can uh finish off the show so um for people who have been watching us if you have any stories or topics you should if you'd like Raquel to come back and talk about more early childhood learning stuff, just contact us through the sambuksari podcast at gmail.com address. Sambuksari is a member of the Gorilla Podcast Syndicate. You can also reach out to me via my Facebook page, obviously, YouTube and my Twitter account. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and um, you know, tune in to other Gorilla Podcast uh, programs and obviously somewhat sorry conversations with Mimi thanks Raquel for your time thank you Mimi thanks everyone this is not the end there will be more <laughs> cheers between the two of us <laughs> <laughs> so, of course um, yeah so we'll see each other again soon okay yes thanks Mimi bye if you find value in this episode make sure you like and subscribe to be notified of new releases if you have any questions or suggestions, please reach out to Guerrilla Podcast or send us an email at mimi at Spread the word and don't forget to tune in next time.
0: We are Independent Podcast Network. We are Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate. Would you like to hear your brand while supporting quality podcasts? Contact us now at advertise at gorillapodcastsyndicate.com.